It's time for another hour of community-based programming. You're listening to 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Wednesday, August 10th. A Kansas City man was seriously injured in a crash on Bumper Hill Road and happened late Monday night. According to Highway Patrol, Gregory Hepner, 41, was driving a 2019 Dodge Caravan when the vehicle traveled off the left side of the road, overturned, and Hepner was thrown. He had serious injuries and was transported to Lake Regional Hospital by law enforcement. There's a new hardware store in town, and they're welcoming the lake to their grand opening. It's Nick's True Value Hardware. They're located right off the KK exit along Highway 54 in Osage Beach. From Milwaukee tools to nuts and bolts and a huge selection of food and drinks, Nick's True Value is having their grand opening this week. They're offering grand opening discounts from Thursday through Saturday. Move over, Princess Bride. A rodent of unusual size is wandering around the lake area. But this one is looking for a way home. It's a female capybara named Cappy, and her owner says she escaped from her pen on Horseshoe Bend. They're the largest rodent in the world, and they're native to South America. But they are a common exotic pet because they're known to be sociable and friendly. Plus, Cappy is a vegetarian, so there won't have to be any battles in the fire swamp. Anyone who sees Cappy is asked to contact her owner, Annette Borowski, on Facebook. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Join 89.3 The Key for the BS Nation, featuring Matt Burns and Ike Skelton. Bring in people who are influential in the community and focus mostly on state or local, and that's really what that's what we wanted to do. Ike and Matt will address local and state issues and how they affect the lake area. It's up to the listener to take it in how they want to take it in. It's the BS Nation, Mondays and Saturdays at 10 a.m., 6 p.m., and 2 a.m. on 89.3 The Key. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. We are really getting close now to the Chiefs' first preseason game of the year this Saturday in Chicago against the Bears. That'll be an early game, by the way, a noon kickoff for that one. Probably be a little toasty there in Chicago. The first regular season game will be on September 11th at Arizona against the Cardinals. The three September games this year at Arizona, then at home against San Diego, and then on the road again against the Colts. It'll be a pretty tough first month of the season. Former Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt, now with the Browns, wants a longer contract, and he's requested a trade after the Browns turned him down for that longer contract. Kareem, of course, led the NFL in rushing as a rookie with the Chiefs in 2017, but missed uh, nine games last year with various and sundry injuries. Please. 
As for baseball, the Cards and Royals busy again today as they continue the series they kicked off yesterday. The Redbirds in first place in Colorado. It's game two of a three-game series against the Rockies and the Royals. Hey, don't blame them if they're a little tired after yesterday. Had a doubleheader against the White Sox. They go against Chicago again today. That's a four-game series. That'll wrap up tomorrow. Then Royals will be back home to play the Dodgers this weekend. So that ought to be interesting. The NASCAR boys getting down to the nitty-gritty. Just three races left in the regular season. The playoff round of 16 will then start. That starts in early September. They will be at Richmond this weekend. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. you got to check it out. Lake TV bringing you six local lake area shows, and they're all great, including the Community Spotlight Show, where uh, we interview local uh, big leaders in the community in one form or another. Check that out every day, 9.02, 3.02, and 7.02. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. You can see it absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV, and you can see it's Streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station. Featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, Live High School Sports, Real Estate, Dining, boating, and of course, the annual Lake of the Ozarks shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. Key Radio is a non-profit radio station that works with local residents in the Lake of the Ozarks community. Our goal is to provide a positive platform for content that addresses a variety of topics while also giving people the opportunity to find out more about what's going on in our own backyard. Key Radio uses donations to bring you all of the information. So, if you like what you hear and you'd like to help us continue our mission, please reach out to us at keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. Businesses, individuals, and content providers power the programming that you hear on Key Radio. To inquire about making your tax-deductible donation, go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio or call 573-280-0532. 573-280-0532. You're listening to 89.3, The Key.
happy to be the Lake Sounding Board. Community radio for the Lake of the Ozarks. It's 89.3, the key. Oh, and it is a beautiful day at the Lake of the Ozarks. I'm telling you what, uh, a day where we're at to 69 degrees in August. And, yeah, you still feel that humidity when you walk out the door, but you really just don't uh, get overpowered by it as you normally would. Some fog. You will be greeted by uh, fog, but uh, the clouds this morning giving way to a, as they're saying here, generally sunny sky and a high of 87 today. Clear tonight, the low of around 60. So you might even consider sleeping with the windows open and give the air conditioner a break. Sunny and 89 tomorrow, partly cloudy on Friday. A high of around 90. And then for uh, Saturday, sunny and 93. Sunny and hot on Sunday, a high of 97. And then as I look ahead to next week, uh, looking at temperatures anywhere from the uh, mid to upper 80s, we'll have uh, a high of around 90 on Monday. And it looks uh, generally at this point like uh, then we get into some upper 80s, but uh, rather nice for the month of August as opposed to what we've had to deal with. 69 comfy degrees with some clouds, a bit of fog here in Osage Beach as we broadcast live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Good folks to know, and uh, if you're interested at all in some of the things they do, you might uh, give them a call and inquire about the mile marker formula, which is uh, pretty dynamic. It is something that is truly, truly a, a cool cool option for you. If you want to talk about your retirement, if you want to talk about your financial future, if you want to get your family all set up and squared away, you've got kids, and you know some kids want to go to college. Some kids want to go to trade school. Some kids, uh, well, <laughs> they want to live in your basement till they're like 35 or 40. <laughs> no matter what, it all costs money, right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. It all costs, costs money. money. And as you can uh, as you can tell, he is in the studio with us, as he is on Wednesday mornings, the next presiding commissioner of Camden County, Ike Skelton. So it's been a, a week now. Has it uh, sunk in yet? Yeah, it's definitely sunk in and hit home already. Yeah. Yes, it has, yeah. Have yeah. you been approached by a number of people who said, well, now, Ike, <laughs> this is what I would like to see happen in Camden County. Uh, a lot of people with suggestions and ideas. And, you know, we talked about something, and I know uh, Professor Jim Paisley, who's going to be joining us next hour, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, China and Taiwan and what's going on between the United States and China. But uh, Professor Paisley had said, you know, what a great opportunity to get the citizens of Camden County involved. And I know that you were 100% uh, percent behind that as far as... Uh, utilizing what we have in our county. And that's one of the nice things about living at the Lake of the Ozarks. You've got a lot of retired people here who have served in uh, a variety of capacities. Uh, They have a lot of knowledge. They have a lot of experience. And certainly that could be something used to the benefit of the county and the uh, citizens who live in the county. And so... We encourage people to uh, maybe reach out to Ike and say, well, hey, listen, I've got a particular skill set that I think might be useful. And uh, you never know, they uh, could find a place for you. I, you know, I say that, but uh, certainly we have the opportunity to utilize uh, the great citizens of Camden County. And, and I know that people feel 
uh, like maybe things are running a little smoother when they get engaged in the governmental process. Yeah, I've been approached by a few people for sure that have some skill sets that can help us out, especially with focusing on road and bridge yeah. um, and uh, some other things. So um, we're going to do a lot of different stuff, I believe. Uh, we're going to have to kind of reset things a little bit um, from what I'm seeing. I'm, I've been been over at the courthouse a little bit more now, and, and um, so we're going to... You know, during the campaign, we talked about redoing the land use code and possibly the master plan and some other things. So there's going to be uh, um, a need for citizens to step forward and be a part of their government. I met a man in um, Lowe's one day. I've never met him before. And he started talking to me about some... uh, uh, some land use code and zoning issues, and uh, he's a he's a builder, but he's not really been involved in things. I said, you know, uh, a guy like you, I'd really like to have your perspective on one of these boards when we put it together. Uh, put your input as to how you'd like to see things happen in Camden County. Right. And so we have unique stuff just for Camden County, not this international garbage. And um, so you know, he's going to keep his ears open when we obviously we can't do much of anything until after January. So, uh, but um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get it rolling. Um, there'll be a lot of things going on the first year, but most of it's going to be looking and seeing and evaluating and measuring and inventorying to find out where we're at right. and where we can go from there. So, uh, But there's just a lot of neat, fresh ideas that have been popping up, and uh, I think we're going to be able to accomplish some fantastic things for Camden County. Now, last week we had Ike in after he won the election. And uh, I will offer up this opportunity to those of you listening this morning that would like to have a word with Mr. Skelton. And it's uh, simple to do. The key radio community hotline at 573-633-5395 if you wanted to call and talk with Ike last week. I had a little computer glitch. Yeah, I found that out after the fact. And so uh, I tested the phone this morning. Uh, I threatened it. I <laughs> beat it with a wet noodle. Sure, right, 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 whatever it takes. <laughs> and so uh, everything's working well. So if you have any questions, any comments, you'd like to uh, pass along your congratulations, or you just want to, uh, uh, you know, get a word in edgewise, you can do that this morning. Feel free to call at Please any time do, throughout yeah. the hour, 573-633-5395. So uh, I don't know uh, where we are at with uh, certain things uh, in terms of... Uh, the state of Missouri, but I do know that uh, the Lake of the Ozarks has been given yet another esteemed honor, and this is from MSN.com, from uh, KTVI uh, TV St. Louis. Missouri home to one of the best lakes for boating, this study says. Boating is uh, one of the ultimate summertime experiences, and Missouri might just have one of the best places to do it in the United States, a travel website known as The Getaway ranks the Lake of the Ozarks in mid-Missouri as the second-best boating lake in the United States. A research team recently released the rankings as part of its Float on the Best Boating Lakes in America report. And so there's a a nice little uh, uh, something-something we can hang our hats on. Only Shasta Lake in California finished higher in the rankings, meaning that the Lake of the Ozarks holds the distinction as one of the... uh, Best Boating Experiences in the Midwest. 
And isn't that uh, nice to to know? Well, duh. I mean, we've known that for a long time, ain't exactly. we? Exactly. Glad they finally came on board. What's this Shasta Lake? I never heard of her. Uh, I have no no idea about Shasta Lake. <laughs> I remember Shasta Soda growing up. <laughs> right, yeah, Shasta? right. Yeah, it was the cheap stuff. Sure, yeah, it was good, though. It, it was good, though. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It got us through. It gave us that sugar, <laughs> the sugar high, high that we needed. Yeah, sure, as kids. Uh, we burnt than, all that stuff off as kids. What happened now? I don't know. I don't With know. Uh, more than 1,150 <laughs> miles of shoreline and a surface area of 55,000 acres. This lake in central Missouri in the Ozark Mountains is truly a boater's paradise. This may be a man-made lake, but the spectacular scenery is some of Mother Nature's best work. Waterfront condos, RV parks, and resorts line much of the coastal area around the lake. That's why we refer to it lovingly as the Midwest Coast. But there are also quiet coves, perfect for fishing and enjoying a quiet day on the lake. Speedboating is a popular sport here with Major boating events such as uh, Aquapalooza and the shootout attracting thousands of boaters each summer. Perhaps a sign of its popularity, the Lake of the Ozarks attempted to break a record for the world's largest boat parade earlier this summer, attempting a Guinness World Record for a second straight year. Participants fell just short of a record held in Malaysia. So uh, there you go, Uh, CPB, Tri-County Lodging Association, all you wonderful chambers of commerce around the area. Uh, let's uh, slap this article on your website and uh, get more folks down here to uh, increase that uh, wonderful sales tax uh, for our local economy. Well, I think it uh, also gives an opportunity. Any Anytime we have something like this, um, those that are in office can use that to uh, help attract other business to this area. Um, you know, Doing all this knocking on doors and talking to people in campaign, I, I've obviously just talked to a lot of people and found out a lot of different opinions. Yes. And unfortunately for those who kind of want their lake to stay this little, um, you know, pristine retirement place that maybe it used to be, um, I I just don't, you know, I mean, I think progress is coming. Whether you kind of want it or not, I think progress is coming. Yeah. And for some, I think that's a fantastic thing. Some, I think it's a little sad. And I get that, you know. Uh, you moved here maybe 20 years ago, and, and uh, it was kind of quiet, and you had a nice little cove to be in, and you retired and kicked back. And uh, it's just not the same thing any now, and it's not going to be uh, the same thing 10 years from now. So um, we have to be uh, flexible with that change. I think we have to um, manage that change well enough that it doesn't just uh, overwhelm us. Um, take a look at it and make sure that our our change is the way that we want it to go, that we can grow in an intelligent manner and uh, do things the right way out of the box. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, I remember moving down here in the mid to late 80s and uh, just really blown away by what they used to call the quiet side. And the quiet side was uh, literally that, the quiet side of the Lake of the Ozarks. There were folks out there boating and enjoying themselves, but it uh, wasn't anything uh, close to what was going on over on this side of the Lake of the Ozarks, where I guess they obviously had more uh, waterfront uh, bars and restaurants and uh, some of the attractions and uh, various things that people could do. You had the outlet mall and a number of other things that uh, drew folks in. And the people on the west side, they enjoyed their mm-hmm. quiet side of the Lake of the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is great to know that uh, we are ranked basically second best in the country. Uh, we had the uh, USA Today poll that came out uh, some years back uh, touting us as the best recreational lake in the country. Sure. Uh, Hahatanka was one of the best state parks in the country. 
and I think we uh, certainly have a lot to offer. But as we grow, as we grow, it's important to understand and realize that certain things have to grow with us. That's right. And that is the amount of housing available. Uh, That is uh, somewhat of an issue these days. You've got uh, a lot of companies, and I talked to uh, Nina Jeniton, and she runs Ozark Barge and Dock. And they are working at a fever pitch to try and keep up with uh, their customers, the current clients, the uh, new clients that are coming in. And so one of the things that a lot of folks are facing whether it's on or off the water, whether it has anything to do with construction whatsoever, uh, are these shortages of the uh, products that they need in mm-hmm. order to do their job. So uh, we ask that when people come to the Lake of the Ozarks, if you want to dock, you might just want to be a little patient. Yeah. If you want a boat, you might just want to be a little patient. Uh, personal watercraft. But there are plenty of things to enjoy. I mean, we have some of the best restaurants. We have a lot of great places for you to go and see, a lot of attractions. Uh, you've got things like Bridal Cave, Big Surf, I mean, and the list goes on and on. So this is a great area. Come on down. Enjoy yourselves wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Uh, another story that I saw here, State Auditor Nicole Galloway says Missouri has received nearly $8 billion, Ike Skelton, in federal coronavirus stimulus funding between April 2020 and March of this year. She says through the end of March, the state has spent more than $6 billion of those funds. A significant portion of the spending is for services through the state's Medicaid program and other programs receiving federal matching funds. Other funding has been provided to local government, schools, higher education, child care providers, long-term care facilities, and developmental disabilities providers. Funds have also been used for mental health services, buying personal protective equipment, virus testing, contact tracing, vaccine preparedness, and access, among other things. And uh, as I look at this article, I see that, um, you know, this is all, in my opinion anyway, money that uh, maybe we really didn't need because it seems to me like a large portion of it is being used for things that uh, we maybe had on our wish list. And, uh, you know, you talk about some of the things, obviously, uh, that were hit uh, by uh, COVID. And uh, what do you call it? The pandemic? Yeah, the pandemic. You know, what concerns me about that spending is how much of that spending is under, you know, buying new equipment or new things, uh, new programs that they're Wish putting in place. Stuff, yes, yeah. uh-huh. Things that are going to wind up being um, continually serviced, um, repaired, updated, or staffed. Anything those, any of those things are going to be a problem because, you know, the government hands out all this uh opium other people's money opm and um we get hooked on it and we come up with these new processes and new new agencies or or programs and then well once that money dries up it has to be continuously staffed taken care of funded what have you so Mm -hmm. um now then where are we going to get that money we're going to have to raise it somewhere else or cut that program and unfortunately you know when you uh when you have something new in the government and the people start using it and then you want to take it away um that can become problematic 
static. And I think government sometimes does that on purpose. It's like they almost uh, want to draw us into, you know, some sort of a new little flashy object over there that we'll use and, and uh, just, you know, just bow down and say thank you so much, Mr. Government. Uh, when in reality, they just if uh, if they just leave it alone and didn't start it, we'd, we'd be fine without all those new programs. We're I doing think right. uh, a large part of this is... Uh, on two different levels. Number one, this money comes with strings attached. Sure. Number two, it allows various folks to grow government, which mm-hmm. is something that we don't want to happen. And as you mentioned, once you develop a uh, a program or an agency or something that you see fit, then that has to uh, continuously be funded. So when all of this money dries up, what then? Uh is it uh, going to be a situation where you take some of the money and uh, you put it away for a rainy day? You have some reserves. Uh, but initially, a lot of people would say that we shouldn't be doing this in the first place, that this money is uh, is taxpayer dollars, and it's being looked at as a way to uh, you know buy new things, fund new programs, create new agencies. Well, and do we really need that? Do we really want that? One big problem is it doesn't exist. Mm. The money doesn't exist. I mean, we don't have it. What? What are you saying? (laughs) Yeah, right. It doesn't exist. It's being printed out of thin air, so it's all being borrowed against our children's futures. Right. And um, so um, when you can continue to do that, it's just like this insane Inflation Increasing Act. Reduction uh, Act. Yeah, well, you know the truth. No, it's, re- it's Reduction Act. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. How do you... <laughs> look at the name. It says Inflation Reduction Act. Well, and it will reduce inflation, but to what degree? It's a minimal reduction, if at all. Uh, and it's also something that is not going to be seen in terms of its effect immediately. It will take several years. So unless... Somebody has a crystal ball, and I'm not aware of who that person may be. Uh, we're, again, putting money into things, betting on things, and talking about things that we can't necessarily control because there is no real control. What if something happens globally? What if something happens in this country where, uh, you know, we find ourselves in a crunch, a pinch for some reason, and you're... Inflation Reduction Act has done nothing but fund energy-related programs, uh, climate change, energy-related programs, uh, health care. It uh, has been said by and, – and, and again, I've looked at some of the various opinions that are out there from folks like Forbes, the Wall Street Journal, the people that really know how to gauge the economy – and even in talking with our uh, our good friends right here at SRG Financial Advisors, there is no guarantee that what they're saying to us is actually going to take place. It, uh, <laughs> it, it is not in stone. But our legislators, they had the big vote-o-rama over the weekend. You know, they were working in the fever pitch. <laughs> we're working they, so hard for us. Yeah, well, mm. they got it through the Senate. It still has to go through the House, and it's still has to end up on the president's desk, and, and I'm sure he'll sign it and then jump up and down and take credit for it. He took credit, or will take credit, for this Inflation Reduction Act, but they... Not for the inflation itself. Well, and, and <laughs> I was going to go another direction and say uh, the White House, and, and we'll talk about this uh, later on in the hour, had no idea 
that the FBI was uh, set to raid oh, Trump's oh, home, oh, Mar-a-Lago, there in, in Florida. And, so, and and we talked about this yesterday with Professor Paisley, saying that, wow, what a great distraction this raid on Trump's home was to kind of push the Inflation Reduction Act to the side so people aren't really paying as much attention to it as they probably need to. Look, all of these, uh, all of these financial things that they've been doing, all of the uh, payouts, the COVID relief, all of that is is the the largest money laundering scheme that you've ever seen, mm-hmm. and so they print money out of absolutely nothing, thin air. Uh, they throw it out into the economy. We get huge inflation. Well, now the Fed uh, has to go and increase their interest rates. So as they increase their interest rates, they do that to take the cash dollar out of the market. So if you're spending more money on your house, business, whatever things that are being uh, uh, that you that are basically in hock that uh, you have to pay off off, your interest rates are going up, or anything you're going to borrow, then they take that money, that extra money that you're spending that's coming out of the system, and they put it in their own pockets. And it isn't actually printed money anymore. It is actual wealth, because you have spent your time and your energy to create that dollar and that wealth, and now you're turning more and more over to the Federal Reserve, which is nothing more than a bunch of uh, private investors that are fleecing America to the very best that they possibly can. And when you come up with these other programs that, you know, all of the different uh, uh, wind, energy, the, the solar, the uh, all of these different uh, uh, schemes for, for climate change uh, is, is just another way of paying off one one uh, entity or another, and uh, continuing to launder that money. You know, we, we saw during the Obama years with Solyndra, they took a bunches and bunches of money. It got laundered then through the unions and out to the Democrat National Committee in, uh, in California. So, I mean, this is proven stuff. There's a track record there. And nothing ever happens with this. And we're seeing the same thing now. And as the Fed continues to claw more money out of our economy uh, through higher interest, it really is cr- turning our wealth into uh, their gain, and, and it's just money laundering, and it's yeah. it's perfectly legal, unfortunately. And and uh, you know I, and they've all done it. Tell me, Donald Trump didn't spend a whole bunch of money. He spent a whole bunch of money too. They all along do. with it, they all do. Along with that Congress and and the whole nine yards, man. They're just they're blowing the money we just don't have, and and uh, unfortunately, an awful lot of people out here. And America are sucking it up because we're creating the jobs, we're doing the whatever, the the electric car thing, and and all of this, and uh, uh, we're just all a part of the problem. Well, let's just say, um, I think maybe some of that money should be put away for a rainy day, and that rainy day would be when we need to use it on things that we need to use it on, as opposed to again creating new agencies, new government, yeah. uh, and, and, and just expanding this uh, mm-hmm. uh, runaway leviathan that uh, is, is, is just taking over. At some point, it's... Uh, got to crash, don't it? It's got to crash. Sometimes. You're in that car, you know, you're driving down the road with your stimulus money, and then all of a sudden up pops a brick wall, and guess what? You're screwed. You know, we've had the little bubbles. We had the real estate bubble and some other things. This is a government bubble, and it's going to blow up. It's going to be bigger than any of them. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And when it hits, it's going to hurt worse than anything we're dealing with now. We've got to step aside. We've got Stacy Johnson with a check of local news. LakeExpo.com is the uh, website there. And, of course, Uncle Chris, Chris Schneider with a look at sports from Lake TV. 
and more with Ike Skelton, the next presiding commissioner of Camden County. And uh, also, don't forget our history professor extraordinaire, Jim Paisley, in in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk uh, China, Taiwan, and uh, get uh, the lowdown. And also, I want to remind folks that, uh, just real quick, Professor Paisley will be joining me uh, later on this morning for the taping. Uh, and we'll release a new show on uh, Thursday, tomorrow, of What's Burning. 7.02 a.m., 5.02 p.m., 11.02 p.m. over on Lake TV. And we'll be talking about things that uh, maybe you didn't know China owns here in the good old U.S. of A. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Wednesday, August 10th. A Kansas City man was seriously injured in a crash on Bumper Hill Road and happened late Monday night. According to Highway Patrol, Gregory Hepner, 41, was driving a 2019 Dodge Caravan when the vehicle traveled off the left side of the road, overturned, and Hepner was thrown. He had serious injuries and was transported to the Lake Regional Hospital by law enforcement. There's a new hardware store in town, and they're welcoming the lake to their grand opening. It's Nick's True Value Hardware. They're located right off the KK exit along Highway 54 in Osage Beach. From Milwaukee tools to nuts and bolts and a huge selection of food and drinks, Nick's True Value is having their grand opening this week. They're offering grand opening discounts from Thursday through Saturday. Move over, Princess Bride. A rodent of unusual size is wandering around the lake area. But this one is looking for a way home. It's a female capybara named Cappy, and her owner says she escaped from her pen on Horseshoe Bend. They're the largest rodent in the world, and they're native to South America. But they are a common exotic pet because they're known to be sociable and friendly. Plus, Cappy is a vegetarian, so there won't have to be any battles in the fire swamp. Anyone who sees Cappy is asked to contact her owner, Annette Borowski, on Facebook. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Helping out the community is as simple as joining the Key Radio team. Right now, Key Radio is looking for an individual to spread the good news about community radio at the Lake of the Ozarks. The job involves talking to local businesses about supporting our mission. You decide how much you'd like to work and get a commission for the work that you do. Sales experience is preferred but isn't required. We need you, and so does our community. Contact Bill Munhausen at 573-2800-532. Key Radio KEYK is an equal opportunity employer. with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. We are really getting close now to the Chiefs' first preseason game of the year this Saturday in Chicago against the Bears. That'll be an early game, by the way, a noon kickoff for that one. Probably be a little toasty there in Chicago. The first regular season game will be on September 11th at Arizona against the Cardinals. The three September games this year at Arizona, then at home against San Diego, and then on the road again against the Colts. It'll be a pretty tough first month of the season. Former Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt, now with the Browns, wants a longer contract. 
and he's requested a trade after the Browns turned him down for that longer contract. Kareem, of course, led the NFL in rushing as a rookie with the Chiefs in 2017, but missed uh, nine games last year with various and sundry injuries. As for baseball, the Cards and Royals busy again today as they continue the series they kicked off yesterday. The Redbirds in first place in Colorado. It's game two of a three-game series against the Rockies and the Royals. Hey, don't blame them if they're a little tired after yesterday. Had a doubleheader against the White Sox. They go against Chicago again today. That's a four-game series. That'll wrap up tomorrow. Then Royals will be back home to play the Dodgers this weekend. So that ought to be interesting. The NASCAR boys getting down to the nitty-gritty. Just three races left in the regular season. The playoff round of 16 will then start. That starts in early September. They will be at Richmond this weekend. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. you got to check it out. Lake TV bringing you six local Lake Area shows, and they're all great, including the Community Spotlight Show, where uh, we interview local uh, big leaders in the community in one form or another. Check that out every day, 9.02, 3.02, and 7.02. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. You can see it absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV, and you can see it streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting The Key with your monthly donation. Key Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received. The Serving Table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need. But this is not just about free food. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the Serving Table can open every day. Learn more at KeyGatheringPlace.com or search Facebook for the serving table. Programming on Key Radio made possible through a generous donation from Victoria Station. 
Misty Atkinson talks about the very incredible and popular wall art you'll find at Victoria Station. We've always been known for our wall art. Um, we have a large selection of both metal art and framed art, canvas prints, in traditional and in uh, the nautical themes. And so we're a destination for wall art. We're also known for a large variety of lamps. We like cool, unique lamps that'll give give lighting in your living area, not just a utility lampshade there that's producing light, but to add the decorative features to that. Um, we are going to feature a section in the store of American-made products. Some of those are locally sourced and some of those from the Midwest, and we're, we're really excited to be able to do that. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit, and the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 9.30 to 5.30. Positive programming provided by you on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3, The Key. It is 8.39. We are up to 70 degrees. Still uh, some clouds, a little bit of fog. But the good news is, is we're headed for a high today of around 87 degrees. 87 degrees for the high. Yeah. woo Yesterday's high 89, and, uh, you know, driving with the windows down, wow. you can really like tell that. how hot it's going to be because you, you, you think when you're driving, you got the windows down, it's going to be cooler, but you stick your hand out the window, and the air is hot. Yeah. You can feel the hot air. And so you get to a point where, like yesterday, there wasn't that heat that you feel. Uh, 87 the high with a partly cloudy sky, 60 the low, and mostly clear. I can't tell you what it's going to be like to enjoy 60 degrees for the low. 89 and sunny tomorrow, partly cloudy and 90 on Friday. Don't forget hot summer nights coming up this Friday night on the beautiful and historic Bagnell Dam Strip where we get together every second Friday of the month, May through September. People come down with their vehicles. People come down with their families, and everybody has a great time, and the Strip comes alive, and there's a lot going on. Uh, last month, we had the uh, mascots from the Springfield Cardinals. We had Ariel from uh, the Little Mermaid, and everybody was having a good time. And uh, you also you get to uh, see some folks that are uh, promoting a cause, the folks with the uh, Save the Swinging Bridge in Brumley. Uh, they have been down, I think, each and every one of the hot summer nights that we've had so far for 2022. And I got to say, it's just uh, it's incredible to meet these folks, uh, Kathy Jeffries, and uh, the folks that come down. They bring down some merch because they're trying to raise money. They bring down some information uh, as they are trying to raise awareness. Mm-hmm. The Swinging Bridge in Brumley is such a wonderful and historic part of the Lake of the Ozarks. We talk about you know having the second best place in the country to go boating, but we have so much history here, and it's so important that we preserve our history and have it around for future generations. And uh, Bill Mulder and I did a segment for On the Trail uh, on Lake TV, and we went out to the Swinging Bridge. And to see that up close and see the damage that is occurring as this thing has just been out in the elements and it hasn't been maintained, and there are some opportunities for the folks that are trying to save the bridge to, uh, you know, get some, some money and Put into it, but it's going to take a lot of work. So sooner rather than later is, I guess, what I'm saying here when it comes to the preservation of the Swinging Bridge in Brumley and the need to uh, to get in there and start taking care of this thing so that 
if and when they do get to a point where they would have uh, funds accessible to uh, do uh, do some work, that it isn't in a state of disrepair so much so that uh, maybe nothing can be done. But uh, this is uh, something that is very, 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 very near and dear to the hearts of so many people. And uh, I know a lot of people that uh, have visited the lake uh, often talk about their experience on the uh, Swinging Bridge in Bromley and certainly when it used to be open. Uh, 93 the high and sunny on Saturday, 97 the high and sunny on Sunday. And then we get into a pretty nice uh, stretch of weather as far as uh, next week. Current lake level at 659.43, river level at 552.39, surface water temp at 84 degrees. So I was talking about this um, story here. This is from the News Tribune, and Ike and I were kind of talking about this off the air. State launches mental health helpline for Missouri farmers. And the story uh, starts out, Missouri has a new mental health helpline uh, for one of its most distressed populations, farmers and ranchers. The Missouri Department of Agriculture on Monday launched the Agri-Stress Helpline, a free confidential mental health service that connects agricultural producers and rural farmers, or families rather, with mental health care professionals that have an agricultural background. Uh, The number to call or text is 833-897-2474. The line is open and staffed 24 hours per day, seven days a week, because you know uh, farmers are early to bed and early to rise. That uh, makes you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a mental health crisis in rural Missouri, a collaborative report from 2020 found. And I don't know because, you know, I've talked to some farmers, I've talked to some ranchers, but I've never experienced it. So I can only imagine what folks go through in order to, you know, run, let's say, the family farm, if that is uh, something that uh, maybe uh, one or more of our listeners out there are doing. I'd be interested to hear from you this morning. And if you'd like to talk to Ike again, 573-633-5395, the key radio community hotline open for business this morning. So give us a call. But for all these years, I think farmers and ranchers here in the state of Missouri and probably throughout the country have dealt with everything from high prices, uh, low yields in terms of what they make on their uh, crops, and, uh, geez, weather. I mean, look at the uh, month of July that we had. It was devastating to farmers uh, around the state of Missouri and, and certainly throughout the Midwest and throughout the country. But they've always been able to cope. However, it seems like in this day and age, the family farm isn't something that future generations want to inherit because they've probably seen their uh, moms and dads uh, go through uh, quite a lot in order to uh, keep the family farm afloat. And then you've got these corporations coming in and buying up all of these farms. And this is something we'll discuss with Professor Paisley over on Lake TV. Uh, countries like China that are seeing a prime opportunity to come in and buy up uh, uh, certainly uh, some of the manufacturing when you talk about poultry, when you talk about uh, some of the other uh, meat processing that goes on in the country, and that these folks are just uh, ready to do anything to get out from under it and 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 make some make some money and then move on and do whatever it is they want to do but do you think a mental helpline is is really going to uh be an outlet for farmers uh 
Uh, do you think farmers are more along the lines of it's our problem, we're responsible people, we'll take care of it ourselves like we always have? And then, of course, what is the cost that goes with uh, supplying a uh, a mental health line for farmers? So uh, a lot of different uh, angles to go at with this. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ike? Well, you know, I, I, as you said, these folks have been dealing, and we've all been dealing with a lot of issues uh, recently, and we've dealt with issues, I mean, through eternity. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, everything that we are going through today in one way or another has been gone through by some generation before us in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Look at the Great Depression. Look at the Dust Bowl during that time. It was just a lot of things that came together in bad ways that uh, made it bad for everyone, and they were incredibly horrible, tough times. And I think we, um, you know, if, if we had a weather event similar to that, we could very well go through that same sort of thing again, and I don't imagine uh, that we probably will sometime in our future. But I think an awful lot of what we are going... What we experience now are uh, more of a um, a comfort related thing to some extent than a need because uh, um, I think we're all fairly well fed, um, we're all fairly well clothed, we're all fairly well housed. And I'm not saying everybody. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand. This is this is a, a general statement. Not uh, um, so. Um, and when it comes to he- mental health, you know, this isn't that program, but we talked about it offline, and you know. The very best mental health you can have is a healthy relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, and read up on your Bible; it's there for your comfort. Uh, if you uh, and and you know, even if you don't have a relationship with Christ, grab that Bible and just start reading it. Uh, read some Psalms. Read uh, uh, read some of the things that went on. And and uh, there's the great enlightenment there and uh, great comfort. Um, Jesus is a comforter, but you have to have him in your heart. You have to know who he is, and um, you have to know, uh, he has to know you. Mm-hmm. And um, once once the Holy Spirit is set up home in your heart, um, you can still go astray. I'm not saying, I mean, you know, you still do things you shouldn't ought to do, but at the same time, that uh, comforter is always there, and um, he'll he'll take you back, you know, and, and um, just pray and... Uh, uh, talk to him and, and read the Bible. God will talk to you through the Bible as you're reading it. So uh, for mental health issues, that's my that's my rock. Um, that doesn't mean that works for everybody, but I think that it can. Uh, but you, uh, you, you have to seek him, and uh, he's there waiting for you. But, um, you know, it's just another government program when you get right down to it. And, and uh, does another, program gonna ha- another government program going to help? Part of the problem the farmers have is the government's been messing with them so long to begin with. Yeah. You know, I mean, they got them turned this way and turned that way. Don't grow this, grow that. Uh, and a big part of the problem that farmers usually have are they have to put so much money up front at the beginning of the, uh, uh, especially for row crop farmers, they have to put so much money up front in, in fertilizer, seed, diesel for your tractors, and all these different things. And if there's any kind of a weather event in the middle of the growing season that, that even wipes out, let's say, a quarter or a half of your crop, um, you could very well be done um, because uh, all of that has already gone out and you got to try to recoup that. And, uh, you know, we have to remember that anybody that has a small business, a farmer, uh, you know, what, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, just like the person that comes to work for the hourly wage, those business owners, those farmers still have a house to pay for, kids to feed, cars to drive and pay for, just like everybody that earns an hourly wage. So 
Um, the difference is, is they are the hourly wage producer. And when that hourly wage doesn't come through, uh, they have to lay off themselves, as it were. And uh, where is the next job coming from? Are they going to go look for another job? Well, if you look for another job, how do you, how do you be farmer then? So it's a, it is a tough life. Um, on the other side of that, it's very rewarding, I think, being with, uh, uh, being with uh, the Lord and the nature and, and animals. And uh, animal husbandry is a fantastic thing that, that many, many people enjoy. And uh, being a farmer, being with the land, um, and, and, and being autonomous in, in the way you do a lot of things is also very rewarding. Right. Um, so um, with all of it, everything in life, I mean, we've got risks, we've got problems, we have uh, total unknowns. And um, we all have to work through those. And, 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 and I guess if a mental health line will help these folks, um, you know, so be it. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't, you know. It is. It is money. I mean, it all costs money to do all these sorts of things. So, so there you are. <laughs> you know, there you are. There you are. From uh, marijuanamoment.net, marijuanamoment.net, <laughs> Missouri Marijuana Legalization Initiative will appear on the November ballot. The state announces. Now that's fascinating. Uh, yeah, in uh, it says Missouri officials on Tuesday announced that an initiative to legalize marijuana will appear on the state's November ballot, while early reporting from county officials had signaled that the campaign was coming up short on signatures in key congressional districts. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is now certified that activists indeed turned in enough valid petitions to place the cannabis reform measure before voters. I encourage Missourians to study and educate themselves on any ballot initiative, Ashcroft said in a press release, initiative 2022-059er that voters will see on the November ballot is uh, particularly lengthy and should be given careful consideration. Legal Missouri 2022 submitted about 400,000 signatures for a legalization initiative in May. They needed to reach a signature threshold uh, in at least six of the state's eight congressional districts to make the ballot, and it initially appeared that they were falling behind in two of those districts. Now, uh, it says the campaign for its part said it had been actively reviewing the results from local officials to check for errors and was confident they would end up qualifying. Uh, Marijuana Moment is tracking more than 1,500 cannabis, psychedelics, and drug policy bills in the state legislature uh, and Congress this year. Uh, And so they are pledging at least $25 a month, it says, to get access to our interactive maps, charts, and hearing calendar so they don't miss any developments. Now, I would Mm. say that maybe what we need to do here is to indeed look into this because over the years, I think marijuana has become less and less of uh, of a concern. Certainly there are a lot of states that look at people who get caught with uh, small amounts of marijuana as uh, not people that are destined to spend time in jail. Uh, If you have, obviously, large amounts of marijuana for distribution and you're not like a dispensary or a a grow facility. But the issue is, is it is still illegal on the federal level. I don't care about the feds. And uh, if you travel through a state as a gentleman did uh, from Missouri going to Colorado. They'll they'll steal your money. And uh, he got pulled over and he had all this money with him. And they said, well, you know, what is his money for? Well, uh, I work at a dispensary or whatever, and I'm taking this money to 
Colorado because Colorado essentially is the only state that I know of that really does mm-hmm. anything in terms of, of, of working with people and banking, banking and mm-hmm. things along those mm-hmm. lines. And the police stole our money. And, uh, yeah, well, hey, boy, you're driving through a state that, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't condone what it is you're doing. And we consider that to be drug money, so uh, we're going to take it from you. Now, I don't know whether or not this person uh, or this company ever got their money back. Maybe find that out because we've talked about it a lot. Maybe yeah. we we'll figure out how we can find find out get to find out that. I uh, guess all you have to do is look it up online. Well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> uh, well, you know, interesting you brought it up because um, I'm going to be at the Lebanon Tea Party tomorrow night and speaking on some things. And one of the things I was going to speak on is the uh, um, a ballot initiatives that are going to be the ballot issues. Um, ballot measures, they call them, certified for number eight. Now, when I looked at this, I think Sunday morning when I talked to Karen, or Sunday afternoon when I talked to Karen, it did not have this on there because I had heard that there would be a marijuana legalization on the ballot, but I hadn't heard it when I first pulled it up from the Secretary of State. But here it is. It is uh, Amendment 3. Uh, do you want to amend the Missouri Constitution to remove state prohibitions on purchasing, possessing, consuming, using, delivering, manufacturing, and selling marijuana for personal use for adults over the age of 21? It will require a registration card for per- uh, regist- require a registration card for personal cultivation with prescribed limits. Mm-hmm. Allow persons with certain marijuana-related nonviolent offenses to petition for release from incarceration or parole and probation to have records expunged. Mm-hmm. Establish a lottery selection process to award licenses and certificates. Issue equally distributed licenses to each congressional district and impose a six percent tax on the retail price of marijuana to benefit various programs. You know, once again, we have. Uh, <laughs> gotten big government into something that um yeah i in a lot of issues i'm very libertarian i mean you know if it thomas jefferson said and he was talking about um the of religion honestly at the time he said that you know what matters to me what you think believe feel or do if it does not pick my pocket or break my leg and uh i mean that's very uh uh, rudimentary but it, it makes a lot of sense isn't that what liberty and freedom in america is supposed to be about so here we are uh first of all the federal government has regulated this stuff and i don't believe they have any constitutional authority whatsoever anywhere to do that. They can talk about the Interstate Commerce Clause, but that is not what the Interstate Commerce Clause was designed for. So now then we have a state petition coming along here, and we've got all of these different rules and regulations and and licensing and registration card, and then we're going to pick winners and losers through a lottery selection and and through our benevolence allow you to grow this stuff and be able to sell it. i got a problem with PAP not putting a tax on it, but other than that, it shouldn't be really, it just shouldn't be any much different than any other plant you're going to go put in your garden, harvest, and sell. Well, the interesting part of this will be, if we read through the legislation, the ballot issue itself, is there anything in there that uh, will allow the state of Missouri to benefit from this in terms of uh, some sort of a tax? Six percent. There you go. Said, all said, and done. So, do you go through the uh, the means necessary to obtain your marijuana legally through the state, or do you go back to the uh, guy that's selling it on the corner? <laughs> well, you know, here, here, yeah, right. Is so it going to bring go. back? They're saying, you know, well, it'll eliminate things like people doing it under the table or, or, or drug dealers. I don't know. 
Well, you know, you sell tomatoes on the roadside. Uh, they're not in, in, in Deerberg's or high V or whatever. So uh, it's kind of the same thing if you look at it to me. But anyhow, the state governmental entities estimate, and this is not this is just numbers. It really doesn't mean anything. But, right. uh, you know, the way they put numbers out, uh, they're going to estimate the initial cost of $3.1 million. The initial revenues of at least 7.9, so there's a, what, a $3.8 million set of offset. Right. An annual cost of $5.5 million and annual revenues of at least $40.8 million when it's all said and done. Local governments are estimated to have annual costs of at least 35000 and annual revenues of at least 138 Eight million dollars. Here's money to be made. Boom. Then, hey, room bridge, room yeah. bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Clapping, of course, for not only that uh, interesting ending to the story there, but uh, also for our guest, the next presiding commissioner of Camden County, Ike Skelton. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you, my friend. I'll leave you with this thought. It wasn't us. White House panics as Mar-a-Lago backfires, throws Garland, DOJ, FBI, completely under the bus. We'll, we'll, we'll just leave that there for the uh, general consumption of the listening audience this morning. Folks, we need to step aside. We'll get to some information at the top of the hour, and that includes Stacey Johnson with a check of local news from our good friends and media partners at lakeexpo.com. Also, great media partners, the wonderful folks at Lake TV, Chris Schneider with a check of sports, and our history professor extraordinaire, just like I set it up when I posted it on social media, the one, the only, Professor Jim Paisley joining us in the studio coming up following our information break. We are at uh, 71 degrees, looking for a high today of 87, a low tonight of 60. We'll see some clouds, a little bit of sunshine, and then a clear sky tonight. We'll review it all on the other side of the break. You are listening to The Daily Show on Key Radio, and thank you, folks. And don't forget the Key Radio hotline is, our Key Radio community hotline, is available for your discussion, for your uh, opinions, for anything that's on your mind at 573-633-5395. It's time for another hour of community-based programming. You're listening to 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Wednesday, August 10th. A Kansas City man was seriously injured in a crash on Bumper Hill Road and happened late Monday night. According to Highway Patrol, Gregory Hepner, 41, was driving a 2019 Dodge Caravan when the vehicle traveled off the left side of the road, overturned, and Hepner was thrown. He had serious injuries and was transported to the Lake Regional Hospital by law enforcement. There's a new hardware store in town, and they're welcoming the lake to their grand opening. It's Nick's True Value Hardware. They're located right off the KK exit along Highway 54 in Osage Beach. From Milwaukee tools to nuts and bolts and a huge selection of food and drinks, Nick's True Value is having their grand opening this week. They're offering grand opening discounts from Thursday through Saturday. Move over, Princess Bride. A rodent of unusual size is wandering around the lake area. But this one is looking for a way home. It's a female capybara named Cappy, and her owner says she escaped from her pen on Horseshoe Bend.
They're the largest rodent in the world, and they're native to South America. But they are a common exotic pet because they're known to be sociable and friendly. Plus, Cappy is a vegetarian, so there won't have to be any battles in the fire swamp. Anyone who sees Cappy is asked to contact her owner, Annette Gabrowski, on Facebook. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Join 89.3 The Key for the BS Nation, featuring Matt Burns and Ike Skelton. Bring in people who are influential in the community and focus mostly on state or local, and that's really what that's what we wanted to do. Ike and Matt will address local and state issues and how they affect the lake area. It's up to the listener to take it in how they want to take it in. It's the BS Nation, Mondays and Saturdays at 10 a.m., 6 p.m., and 2 a.m. on 89.3 The Key. Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. We are really getting close now to the Chiefs' first preseason game of the year this Saturday in Chicago against the Bears. That'll be an early game, by the way, a noon kickoff for that one. Probably be a little toasty there in Chicago. The first regular season game will be on September 11th at Arizona against the Cardinals. The three September games this year at Arizona, then at home against San Diego, and then on the road again against the Colts. It'll be a pretty tough first month of the season. Former Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt, now with the Browns, wants a longer contract, and he's requested a trade after the Browns turned him down for that longer contract. Kareem, of course, led the NFL in rushing as a rookie with the Chiefs in 2017, but missed uh, nine games last year with various and sundry injuries. As for baseball, the Cards and Royals busy again today as they continue the series they kicked off yesterday. The Redbirds in first place in Colorado. It's game two of a three-game series against the Rockies and the Royals. Hey, don't blame them if they're a little tired after yesterday. Had a doubleheader against the White Sox. They go against Chicago again today. That's a four-game series. That'll wrap up tomorrow. Then Royals will be back home to play the Dodgers this weekend. So that ought to be interesting. The NASCAR boys getting down to the nitty-gritty. Just three races left in the regular season. The playoff round of 16 will then start. That starts in early September. They will be at Richmond this weekend. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. you got to check it out. Lake TV bringing you six local lake area shows, and they're all great, including the Community Spotlight Show, where uh, we interview local uh, big leaders in the community in one form or another. Check that out every day, 9.02, 3.02, and 7.02. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. You can see it absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV, and you can see it's Streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station featuring 
Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, live high school sports, real estate, dining, boating, and of course, the annual Lake of the Ozark shootout, Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. Key Radio is a nonprofit radio station that works with local residents in the Lake of the Ozarks community. Our goal is to provide a positive platform for content that addresses a variety of topics while also giving people the opportunity to find out more about what's going on in our own backyard. Key Radio uses donations to bring you all of the information. So, if you like what you hear and you'd like to help us continue our mission, please reach out to us at keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio. Businesses, individuals, and content providers power the programming that you hear on Key Radio. To inquire about making your tax-deductible donation, go to keygatheringplace.com slash keyradio or call 573-280-0532. 573-280-0532. You're listening to 89.3, The Key. Happy to be the Lake Sounding Board. Community radio for the Lake of the Ozarks. It's 89.3, the key. And good morning. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We certainly appreciate the opportunity to come to you this morning and uh, hopefully enlighten you and educate you and uh, just let you know that community radio exists and you can be a part of it. As I fix my chair, we... uh, are glad to be an outlet for information of the community nature and also the <laughs> watch me see what see what's going on here watch i'm sinking you're sinking i'm sinking so maybe i'll just sit down here anyway uh the point being is we've got a great hour of programming coming up and that includes uh, just a quick check of the weather forecast 87 the high today 60 the low and right now we are at 71 degrees. Uh, that uh, cloud cover has basically just worked its way out of the area. So enjoy this beautiful day. We've got Professor Jim Paisley on the program, the history professor extraordinaire. And uh, he is going to uh, enlighten us, give us some history on uh, China 
Taiwan, and other related topics. How are you doing this morning, Jim? I am doing great. And uh, first thing I want to do this morning is uh, give a shout-out to my number one fan in St. Louis, my mom, 99 years old. So what's great is... Uh, hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Yeah. Uh, she lived through most of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get a great history lesson today. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I know that uh, a lot of people uh, tune in to uh, get that uh, history necessary to understand a lot of the things that we're going through today. Because, folks, uh, in a lot of instances, we are not uh, going through these uh, sorts of things for the first time. They have happened in the past. And it's good to have a firm foundation to work off of when we talk about things like uh, the relationship uh, right now between China and the United States. We had heard, uh, what was it, last week, this weekend, that uh, the United States and uh, China had cut diplomatic ties. How extensive is that? Uh, but, you know, I'm seeing a headline right now that says China halts military drills around Taiwan. But war preparation... Mm-hmm. Continues. Would you like to pick it up from there, sir? You bet I would. Now, you know, the thing is, you know, the reason why I, I love doing these shows is to try and share with people, answer the questions that they, the national media leaves you with all the time. Because, boy, they are great for just, you know, oh, the Taiwan Agreement and all this stuff. And, and they just leave you hanging. You, you think, what in the world are they even talking about? And it, this, this topic itself is just so confusing. Uh, let me give you an example. The, we're dealing with the what they call the People's Republic of China, all right? Well, what is the People's Republic of China? Well, that's China as most of us know it, that great big continent, you know, the huge, gigantic country over there. Mm-hmm. But in the same sentence, I heard one of the national media guys say, well, the Republic of China today turned around and said that they are about to be attacked by the People's Republic of China. <laughs> And you're going, what? What? Yeah, and they just skipped right over that. You know, no big deal. Well, just right off the bat to straighten this out, the Republic of China is the people that are there in Taiwan. We've recognized them for a long time as being China. And I'll give you the history lesson today to go with it. So you have the Republic of China, which is is Taiwan, and you have the People's Republic of China, which is that great big country right across the strait from them. So, again, I think part of what I'd like to do today is try and explain, you know, just get the players on the field and explain what the heck they're talking about when they get on the national news. So, let's start right out by saying that tensions with China are at the worst in 40 years. This is according to Taiwan's defense minister. And he's saying what worries him is there could be an accidental strike between the two. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> Basically, the defense minister's comments came after China set a record number of military jets into Taiwan's airspace, okay? And Taiwan considers itself a sovereign state. In other words, they say, you know, we are the Republic of China. However, China itself is saying, no, you're not. You're a breakaway republic. Now, this has caused this this whole tension, if you will, and it goes all the way back, if you will, to World War, well, basically, even World War II is where we'll pick it up, but this is what gets really interesting. So let's start with the history. Now, 
there was a fellow named Chiang Kai-shek. I know you've all heard the name, all right? And Chiang Kai-shek was a Chinese military leader and political leader who led the Kuomintang, the Chinese Nationalist Party, Kuomintang Party, for five decades, 50 years. And he was the head of the state of the Chinese national government between 1928 and 49. So basically between the two world wars and leading up into World War II. Mm. Now, Chiang Kai-shek was born in October of 1887 in Zhejiang, an eastern coastal province of China. His father was just a merchant, and at the age of 18, he went to military training uh, in Japan, of all places. He returned to China in 1911 to take part in an, the uprising that overthrew the Qing, 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 or, I'm sorry, the Xing Dynasty and established a Chinese Republic. Now, Shang, what he wanted to do was he wanted to create like a parliamentary form of government in China. Okay, and the thing is, is that at the time they were still dealing with the old samurai class, the you know the guys with the big swords and all. You know, they were a warrior class, and they were kind of running things. And this guy comes along and said, "Oh, that's a crock. We ought to be able to turn around and and have self determination, and we want a parliamentary form of government." Well, needless to say, that led to a civil war. So now you have these guys fighting each other, the samurai and and the Kuomintang party. And in the midst of all that, the communists come swooping in, and they think they've got a better idea for government. Does any of this sound familiar to you? You know, I mean, how many times have we seen this happen? Right? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Now, <clears throat> basically what happens is is uh, he is supported, uh, this Chiang Kai-shek, by his brother-in-law of all things. His brother-in-law was a fellow by the name of Sun Yat-sen. Now, supported by Sun Yat-sen, Chiang was appointed commandant of the Chinese military Academy in 1924, where he built up an army for his group. Now, after Sun Yat-sen's death in 25, 1925, Chiang Kai-shek became the leader of the Kuomintang Party, and he spearheaded the northern expedition, which reunified most of China under a national government based in Nanjing. In 1928, he led the suppression of the Chinese Communist Party. That was one of the groups that was trying to gain control of the country. Now, Shang oversaw a modest program of reform in China, but the government's resources were focused on fighting all their internal opponents, the samurai and the communists. Okay? And from 31 on, Shang had to contend with the, the uh, Japanese invasion in Manchuria. What happened here, and this is why it's important you pay attention, folks, the tension that we have going on in our country right now. You know, the, the country couldn't be more split if it had to be. And throughout history, what we've seen is that when that happens, you are weakening yourself and leaving yourself wide open for another country to come in and take you. And that's exactly what Japan did. They saw the civil war taking place in China, and they jumped across the strait and into northern China and took Manchuria. And that became their base of operations to take the rest of the country going into World War II. So you can see, you know, the ties here are very similar. And this is one of the cautions that I have for people. We're, we're sitting here fighting amongst ourselves, and you know that Russia and China are watching us. They're watching every day to see what we're doing. And, man, you know, we need to get our act together. Now, <clears throat> basically what happens here is that 
uh, from 31 on, Shang is leading the show there, trying to maintain control and fighting all these different forces. Well, in 1937, Japan launched a full-scale invasion of China from northern China. And when the United States came into the war against Japan in 41, China, of all things, was our ally. I'm going to say that again. China was our ally in World War II. People don't realize that. Chiang Kai-shek, we were supplying arms and everything to him in an effort to have him help fight against the Japanese there in China. Isn't that an interesting twist? Sure is. Strange bedfellows, right? Now, what we saw happen is Chiang's position within China started to weaken. His status abroad grew. And in November of 43, he actually traveled to Cairo, Egypt, and met with Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Winston Churchill. And to them, it was important that Chiang Kai-shek at all costs continue fighting because they're trying to carry on a war in Europe and Asia at the same time. And so we're going to do everything we can to bolster Chiang Kai-shek so that he can continue to fight against the Japanese while we're trying to take care of Hitler and Mussolini in Europe. So he's kind of a placeholder. And they're sacrificing literally millions of lives. The the Chinese took it something terrible on the chin from the Japanese. The Japanese had much more advanced weaponry, aircraft, so on and so forth. And they laid waste to the Chinese. Now, <clears throat> after the war, in 1946, another civil war broke out between the Kuomintang Party, Chiang Kai-shek's party, and the Communists. Okay, so you've got a group that wants to have a parliamentary government, and you have Communists. And in 49, the Communists won. Okay, now this takes you all the way back to the days of Mao Zedong and them. So the Communists came in, and they defeated Chiang Kai-shek. Well, you know, they they got to hightail it out of there. I mean, they're, they're all going to get killed. So he took the government, Chiang Kai-shek did, and he fled to the island of Taiwan. That's how they wound up there, all right? Now, <clears throat> there, Chiang Kai-shek established a government in exile, which he led for the next 25 years. Now, he claimed when he left mainland China and went to Taiwan, he was the country of China. China naturally said, "No, we whooped your butt, and now you are <laughs> right. you're you're just a you know breakaway republic, and you're not China." So that's that's a little bit of the history, just laying it out for you about where the conflict started. Okay, now bear in mind we're going all the way back to the to the forties. All right, now this government that he set up, that Chiang Kai-shek set up in Taiwan, continued to be recognized by many countries as the legitimate government of Ta- of China. And Taiwan controlled China's seat in the United Nations until the end of Chiang Kai-shek's life, and he died in 1975. So from the 40s all the way to 1975, the UN recognized Chiang Kai-shek and the people of Taiwan as being China. Is that, that just blows my mind when you think about it, right. right? And you can imagine China is not happy about this. China proper is not happy at all. Now, what happens is, is, you know, things didn't remain calm, and Taiwan is, you know, is an island which, for all practical purposes, has been independent since 1950. But like I say, the Chinese, the mainland, is saying, no, that's not it. Well, when the Korean War broke out in 1950, the United States, seeking to prevent the further spread of communism in Asia, we sent the 7th Fleet to patrol the Taiwan Strait and keep communist china from invading taiwan 
Now think about that again. 1950, we are sending our 7th fleet over there between Taiwan and mainland China to keep China from taking Taiwan, which is right where we are today. Tell me history doesn't repeat itself. Absolutely. It's it's absolutely unbelievable, right? Now, this U.S. military intervention forced Mao's government to delay its plan to invade Taiwan. At the same time, with U.S. backing, the government of Taiwan continued to hold China's seat in the United Nations. Aid from the U.S. and a successful land reform program helped the Taiwanese government solidify its control over the island and modernize the economy. Um, man, take a look around and see what's made in Taiwan. That you know, It's like you see so many things people say, made in China. No, made in Taiwan is huge, and basically that's one of the biggest places where we get our, our chips and our semiconductors and so on and so forth. They have, they, they're one of the leading suppliers. So there's another reason why we don't want them to fall into China's hands. Now, <clears throat> what we see happen is Chiang Kai-shek promised to fight back and recover the mainland and built up troops on the islands off the Chinese coast. And in 1954, an attack by Chinese communist forces on those islands led the U.S. to sign something called the Mutual Defense Treaty with Chiang Kai-shek's Taiwanese government. Now, when a second military crisis over the offshore islands in 1958 led the U.S. to the brink of war with communist China, Washington forced Chiang Kai-shek to officially abandon his policy of fighting back to reclaim the mainland. So, you know, you can stay on the island and you can call yourself China, but we don't want you launching any new campaigns because you're going to drag us into a war with China. Now, bear in mind, all this is happening in 54. Okay, so like I say, when you watch the news today, they make it sound like this is all something new. No, this is... <laughs> been going on for a while, folks. It's been folks. going on for a long time, all right? But most people don't know that because most people don't bother to check their history. Right, and you're talking heads on the national news. They don't have a clue. They're clueless, <laughs> right. right? Now, in 1972, Taiwan formally lost its seat in the United Nations to the People's Republic of China. That's China proper, the big country, okay? So now, all of a sudden... These guys are out on this island, and they're kind of like, you know, now what? You know, you're leaving us out here on this little island, and you're recognizing the main main continent um, country. Now, in 79, the United States switched diplomatic recognition from Taiwan to China, and we ended our military alliance with the government of Taiwan. So the people in Taiwan are thinking, oh, boy, we're in trouble now, right? However, that same year, the U.S. Congress said, well, we still got to protect them, and they passed the Taiwan Relations Act, which commits U.S. to help Taiwan defend itself from attack by the Chinese. That's the thing that's got us wrapped around the axle right now, okay? We're, we're, we're not recognizing Taiwan as being China proper, but we signed this Relations Act back in 1979 that said we will help Taiwan defend itself from mainland China. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, everybody says, what are we even messing with this for? <laughs> now, <clears throat> I found an inter- interesting article about where we may go from here. And it was in The Federalist uh, by Chuck DeVore. And basically what he says is that when the Chinese Communist Party decides to squash the island uh, nation of Taiwan, you know, basically, and, and drive them out, 
the question comes, will Chinese trying to limit the, con- the conflict to just Taiwan and the immediate waters, or will they immediately embark on a wider conflict that's going to drag the United States and Japan and other nations into this thing? And this is where, where we're really worried right now with all this saber rattling. In other words, when this war comes, will the Chinese Communist Party try to keep the conflict confined to Taiwan, or will it strike out broadly seeking to preempt Japanese and U.S. forces that might attempt to come to Taiwan's aid? Once again, let's go back and look at our history. And I'm going to shift us from one continent to the next. In the First World War, Imperial Germany's decision to invade France via Belgium in response to war in the Balkans between Serbia and their Austria-Hungary allies, it's seen by historians and and military strategists for triggering the United Kingdom's entry into the war against Germany. Now, bear in mind that we talked a little bit, I think, on another show about uh, the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary, Gavrilo Princip, being killed by a Serbian. And that was the trigger, actually, that triggered World War I. And because of a system of alliances, because Russia backed the Serbs, they're in. Because Germany backed Austria, they're in. England, they turned around and they said, well, shoot, we can't let Germany get too powerful. So they allied with Russia. France winds up drug into it, and we we're in a world war just that quick. And that's the risk that we face right now with this whole Taiwan issue. You know, how many countries are going to get drug in or are we all just going to sit back and let them take Taiwan? Now, <clears throat> going back to Germany, why did Germany attack France when its initial threat was Russia to the east? The main reason was that planners in the German general staff thought that Russia was too large and it would take them too long. The Russians is going to take them forever to get people to the front and get them organized. So they said, well, while they're messing around trying to get organized, France is a threat on our other door, on the back door. And so they said, we need to knock France out first with a quick blow and then turn around and deal with Russia. Okay? And when you take that scenario and apply it today... Chinese military strategists know that Taiwan's not going to be able to put up near the defense they need to. But with our air bases in Japan and Guam and throughout, the first smart thing to do as a military strategist would be take those assets out so that they can't be used to come to the aid of Taiwan. So, you know, that's the big problem we have with this conflict is that very quickly we could drag a lot of people in, and primarily we'd be drug in because China might take a first strike to knock out our our ability to come to Taiwan's aid. Again, does that make sense to you? Makes sense to me. uh, I'm wondering, though, if it uh, makes sense to everyone else that's listening this morning again, just because people – I think a lot of us – that are around today probably learned about this in social studies class Mm -hmm. and uh, how deeply uh, entrenched were we and how closely were we listening. And uh, I would say that uh, uh, this is news to a lot of people at this particular point. (laughs) If you were like me, you know, history was not my, believe it or not, I'm I'm a favorite subject, and it was usually taught by the coach on a Friday, the football coach, and uh, you had to remember all those names and dates of people that have been dead for a hundred years, and you think, what the heck, Mm -hmm. what does it matter? Boy, I wish I'd have paid more attention then, because, man, you can see time and again, it doesn't matter what topic we're talking about, you can go back and say, we did this. We've been there before. The players have, uh, haven't have changed, but maybe they have realigned in the sense that 
uh, now they're working with other countries or uh, uh, obviously, you know, with uh, communism taking over like it did. Uh, certainly in China, it has uh, changed the face of what it is we're, we're, we're looking at from the world perspective. But essentially, it is still something that uh, is, I don't want to say overall the same, but uh, pretty close. Well, and it's the consequences of the decisions that were made in the past, you know, that we seem to forget. I mean, we're talking uh, World War II cost 60 million lives, 60 million. Mm-hmm. The Russians themselves lost 6 million men in World War One. then came right back later and lost another 6 million in World War Two. You know, and, and it, when when World War One ended, all of Europe didn't have anybody that could go and fight in World War Two because all the 18 to 22 year olds were dead. They'd all been killed off. So, you know, again, a decision back then, you know, you see the consequences. Do we really want to go there again? We'll continue our history lesson with uh, Professor James Paisley, James Michael Paisley. James Michael Patrick Paisley. James Michael Patrick Paisley. There you go. Little Irish in there. <laughs> John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. That's exactly right. His name is my name too, and uh, we are ready for a uh, a quick bottom of the hour information break with news from Stacy Johnson at LakeExpo.com, sports from Chris Schneider at Lake TV, and more of the Daily Show. So uh, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more uh, to cover, and if you have a uh, a question, or you'd like to make a comment, again, 573-633-5395, the Key Radio Community Hotline. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Wednesday, August 10th. A Kansas City man was seriously injured in a crash on Bumper Hill Road and happened late Monday night. According to Highway Patrol, Gregory Hepner, 41, was driving a 2019 Dodge Caravan when the vehicle traveled off the left side of the road, overturned, and Hepner was thrown. He had serious injuries and was transported to Lake Regional Hospital by law enforcement. There's a new hardware store in town, and they're welcoming the lake to their grand opening. It's Nick's True Value Hardware. They're located right off the KK exit along Highway 54 in Osage Beach. From Milwaukee tools to nuts and bolts and a huge selection of food and drinks, Nick's True Value is having their grand opening this week. They're offering grand opening discounts from Thursday through Saturday. Move over, Princess Bride. A rodent of unusual size is wandering around the lake area. But this one is looking for a way home. It's a female capybara named Cappy, and her owner says she escaped from her pen on Horseshoe Bend. They're the largest rodent in the world, and they're native to South America. But they are a common exotic pet because they're known to be sociable and friendly. Plus, Cappy is a vegetarian, so there won't have to be any battles in the fire swamp. Anyone who sees Cappy is asked to contact her owner, Annette Borowski, on Facebook. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life, lakeexpo.com. Helping out the community is as simple as joining the Key Radio team. Right now, Key Radio is looking for an individual to spread the good news about community radio at the Lake of the Ozarks. The job involves talking to local businesses about supporting our mission. You decide how much you'd like to work and get a commission for the work that you do. 
Sales experience is preferred but isn't required. We need you, and so does our community. Contact Bill Munhausen at 573-2800-532. Key Radio KEYK is an equal opportunity employer. with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. We are really getting close now to the Chiefs' first preseason game of the year this Saturday in Chicago against the Bears. That'll be an early game, by the way, a noon kickoff for that one. Probably be a little toasty there in Chicago. The first regular season game will be on September 11th at Arizona against the Cardinals. The three September games this year at Arizona, then at home against San Diego, and then on the road again against the Colts. It'll be a pretty tough first month of the season. Former Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt, now with the Browns, wants a longer contract, and he's requested a trade after the Browns turned him down for that longer contract. Kareem, of course, led the NFL in rushing as a rookie with the Chiefs in 2017, but missed uh, nine games last year with various and sundry injuries. As for baseball, the Cards and Royals busy again today as they continue the series they kicked off yesterday. The Redbirds in first place in Colorado. It's game two of a three-game series against the Rockies and the Royals. Hey, don't blame them if they're a little tired after yesterday. Had a doubleheader against the White Sox. They go against Chicago again today. That's a four-game series. That'll wrap up tomorrow. Then Royals will be back home to play the Dodgers this weekend. So that ought to be interesting. The NASCAR boys getting down to the nitty-gritty. Just three races left in the regular season. The playoff round of 16 will then start. That starts in early September. They will be at Richmond this weekend. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7.02 a.m., 5.02 and 11.02 p.m. you got to check it out. Lake TV bringing you six local lake area shows, and they're all great, including the Community Spotlight Show, where uh, we interview local uh, big leaders in the community in one form or another. Check that out every day, 9.02, 3.02, and 7.02. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90. You can see it absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV, and you can see it Streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Wednesday. Who supports Key Radio financially? I do. This is Bill Munhausen speaking on behalf of the Key Ozarks podcast and Key Gathering Place in Camdenton. When I began podcasting two years ago with a few friends, we wanted a radio show, but it didn't work out. Key Radio gives us an opportunity to share our message, so I am happy to support the Key with a monthly underwriting donation. Key Gathering Place is our community center at Lake of the Ozarks for events and gatherings. The Key Ozarks radio program presents Christian activists seeking the truth of things rather than ideology, employing an eclectic mix of biblical thought and political philosophy much like the founders of the nation did at the last revolution. Please consider supporting the key with your monthly donation.
Heat Radio wants to help our community by offering a platform for all groups and organizations to share their message. If you have a pre-recorded public service announcement talking about who you are and what you do, email it to kbsfree65 at gmail.com. Rotary clubs, veterans groups, animal shelters, fundraising organizations, and more are all welcome to send us their pre-recorded message. Key Radio reserves the right to deny or accept any PSAs received. The Serving Table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need. But this is not just about free food. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the Serving Table can open every day. Learn more at KeyGatheringPlace.com or search Facebook for the serving table. Programming on Key Radio made possible through a generous donation from Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about the very incredible and popular wall art you'll find at Victoria Station. We've always been known for our wall arts. Um, we have a large selection of both metal art and framed art, canvas prints in traditional and in uh, the nautical themes. And so we're a destination for wall art. We're also known for a large variety of lamps. We like cool, unique lamps that'll give give lighting in your living area, not just a utility lampshade there that's producing light, but to add the decorative features to that. Um, we are going to feature a section in the store of American-made products. Some of those are locally sourced and some of those from the Midwest, and we're, we're really excited to be able to do that. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit, and the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 930 to 530. Positive programming provided by you on the Lakes Community Radio Station, 89.3, The Key. 939, 71 degrees, 87 the expected high today. Low tonight of around 60, so a very comfortable, comfortable evening here at the Lake of the Ozarks. 89 the high tomorrow with sunshine, partly cloudy and 90 on Friday, sunny and 93 on Saturday. A hot one for us on Sunday, sunshine and 97 degrees. And uh, next week looks to be uh, low to mid uh, 80s overall. We will have a high of around 90 degrees on Monday. We are broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Great to have you with us. Uh, current lake level, 659.46. 552.38, the current river level. And the surface water temp at 84 degrees. Professor Jim Paisley is our guest. And before we get back into the discussion on uh, China and Taiwan, let's take a phone call. Caller, thank you for uh, holding through the break. You are on The Daily Show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. So if this is a, becomes a big, fat mess and we do get our people involved in it militarily, who on God's name would be as dumb as us to get involved with us to think that it would help <laughs> Taiwan and also that would also benefit them? Well, <clears throat> that, my friend, is a great question because right now what we're seeing is that that area of the world, uh, Japan, Australia, uh, that whole Indo-Pacific region, they do not want to fall under communist regimes either. And so they're going to be faced with a decision of either falling under communist rule and becoming part of that empire or stepping up to the plate. 
And if you'll remember, last summer uh, we sold uh, some submarines to Australia. Do you remember that? Or said that we were going to help them build some new submarines. That's the reason why. Um, that area is actually reaching out to the Western allies, England, the United States, France, etc., because of that. Uh, they're, they're afraid of the expansion of communist China and control, basically, of the global economy. So, yeah, you know, will they do it? I don't know. You know, it's a great question, and that's one of the other things that has to play into all of this is well, how much are you willing to risk? Because, like I say, in a, in a modern war, the casualties could be astronomical astronomical and so what a great question thank you so much thank you caller we appreciate your input this morning and we uh, open up the phone lines to everyone listening if you have a question or comment for uh, professor jim paisley please uh, do us a favor and give us a call this morning on the key radio community hotline at 573-633-5395 it also brings up another interesting question we're already dealing with supply shortages mm-hmm. and a lot of that uh, a lot of those things come from China. Mm-hmm. So if we were to actually go to war with the Chinese, uh, I guess that would really put a crimp in our style as far as uh, is getting the things that uh, we, uh, for all intents and purposes, rely on. Right. And, and you know, it's interesting, KB. You know, you mentioned earlier, I heard you talking about the fact that we're going to do a, a show on Lake TV and talk about what China owns. You know, it was one thing to see, you know, when the COVID thing hit, you know, our biggest concern was toilet paper, right? You know, <laughs> and the things that we couldn't get. Uh, but really, one of the biggest risks that we have is that China controls almost all of the precious mineral, minerals that you need to do things like lithium batteries and semiconductors and so on and so forth. They've got like 85% of it worldwide. Mm-hmm. We produce none. We have none, zero. And so, uh, to give you an idea, uh, an F-15 fighter has 950 pounds of precious metals needed to do the semiconductors and everything in that. So, it would be things like that, things that we're re- not really aware of, that if they cut the world off from that, that is not, not just a problem for us, it's a problem for everybody. And so, yeah, the list is long and distinguished. And like I say, uh, tune in on that show because we're going to talk about a lot of the things that they have control. We know we've talked about agriculture, but there are so many things. So in uh, relation to what we're talking about here, Mm -hmm. a lot of companies that are owned by the Chinese in the United States, the Chinese would uh, literally just say, you know what, we're at war. We can't supply you with the things you need. Um, You know, uh, if you're upset, if you're bent out of shape, well, why don't you cry to the U.S. government about it? Mm-hmm. And then what's the U.S. government supposed to do? And 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 there, I don't, I really don't know that we would get to a point where we would actually go to war. But the threat has always been there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I honestly believe that. And this is my own opinion. I don't think it'll be a shooting war. I think it'll be an economic war. Because, yeah. uh, like I say, all of these things that the Chinese own. Uh, you know, they now have controlling interest on the board of directors of a lot of these U.S. corporations, and they can just simply say, no, mm. we're not going to do that. Right. You know, and so now you're you're in a real pickle. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, that's that's another great point. And, and from an economic standpoint, you can see what happened to us during COVID, you know, how, how it just literally crippled our economy mm-hmm. and what we could do on a day-to-day basis. So I don't know, you know, I think uh, – 
you know, cutting off supplies is probably an even more effective tool against the United States than it is to lob a missile in here. Just like during World War II when the United States was sending things to uh, Great Britain right. and the Germans were patrolling uh, the Atlantic and submarines and uh, taking out the uh, supply ships at an alarming rate. Yeah. Um, Churchill himself said that, well, you know, the war was won at the production line. Had it not been for the United States' capability to produce what they did, we probably would have lost, you know, because we had the capability to just, you know, they could take out two tanks, but we could build three while they were doing it. And will we have that capability if something happens uh, between the United States and China? You break off uh, diplomatic relations, that's one thing, but if you uh, put a crimp in the supply chain, that's another story entirely. It wasn't COVID uh, an eye-opener eye for just that reason. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, so, and, and, you know, watching all those ships sit out off the coast of California, you're thinking, good grief, yes. you know, and I know we complain because our televisions weren't here and so on and so forth, but there's a lot of other stuff on those boats that we really depend on that we just don't think about on a daily basis. Let's get back to our history lesson. All right, so let's do that. So we were at World War I, and we talked about the fact that Germany saw that their best hope of winning the war was to hit uh, France first and knock them out, and then worry about Russia on their back door. Well, basically, similarly, many analysts believe the People's Republic of China would seek to attack only Taiwan during an effort to seize the island. And this assures that China believes it could successfully deter the United States and Japan from coming to Taiwan's aid. But deterrence can't necessarily be ensured. They may decide to do what the Germans did and take first strike capabilities to knock out our ability to turn around and bring the aid. And, and the truth of the matter is most of it would come by air and it would come out of those air bases in Japan. Well, drop a couple of bunker busters on the runway, planes can't get off the ground, now you got a problem. Let's take another phone call. Caller, thanks for holding on. You are on The Daily Show. Good morning. Morning, uh, morning. Professor. I don't believe there'll be a uh, war because I believe the war's already been had. <laughs> and when, when China entered the World Trade um, Organization, that was really the first major brick to fall. Mm -hmm. And whether you believe in the conspiracy theory or not, the fact of the matter is COVID if it's shown us anything, it showed us that we are not willing to suffer the uh, economic pain mm -hmm. that will be required to win a war with China, and China is. Um, they will. They don't care if they starve out 300 million people of their own kind. They don't care. Mm -hmm. It's no big deal to them. So they are ruthless, and short of a nuclear war, there's nothing we can do to stop them, I don't believe. Uh, they will squeeze us out, just like they'll squeeze anybody out financially. There's really nothing we can do to stop them because, like I say, we're not willing to suffer the financial pain that it would require to defeat them. So, in my mind, they've already won. Uh, it, it, and, and they've partnered up with Russia mm -hmm. and North Korea, so they have a massive landmass over there mm -hmm. uh, and, and resources, minerals. I don't think they can be stopped, quite honestly. Well, there's two things that play into this, and, and uh, you know, during World War II, we had the National Defense Act, and I agree 100% with you. You know, do we have what it's going to take to to squeeze ourselves to, to meet the challenge? Uh, back then, they had rationing. They had people planting victory gardens. People were much more adaptable 
to taking care of themselves. We don't see that in this generation. Plus, we've lost our manufacturing base because it was easier to send it overseas and get it done cheap. Um, the only thing, the only odd factor in there was we had just come out of the Depression and had nothing. I mean, we were on our on our backs. And when this war came to us in World War II, the people stepped up. And the big change was is the government got the hell out of the way. They would come out there and say, we need to build a factory to build planes or armaments. And when you got the government out of the way, in six months' time, they could build a factory and have it up and running. And we trained our people. We would have to do something like that again. But my concern is, would the government be willing to invest in, and get the hell out of the way to get us up and running again? Or are they going to worry about building solar panels while, while we're at war with somebody? Caller, thank you for Great the call. input this morning. Great call. And, and I guess that is in itself something that uh, we need to look at uh, back in world war ii or during world war ii this country came together like nobody's business mm -hmm. do we have people that uh, have the wherewithal to realize and understand that if we were to do something like this would we have the support of the people or would the people always be complaining about the baby formula shortage mm -hmm. or uh inflation or the economy have we gotten soft do we still have the drive and the desire to be the country we once were? And I think the caller brings some very interesting points to the table based on that alone. And you have to really look and see where we are today as to where we were then. And uh, yeah, are people more concerned about their, their solar panels? <laughs> sure. Would we worry about uh, uh, climate change? Would we worry about the environment? And, and another aspect of this as well. Now, we talk about supplies, but mm -hmm. when you talk about a war, uh, now wars can be fought uh, in the cyber arena. And mm -hmm. so we talk about hackers and uh, various other things that could be uh, obviously something that we don't even need to fire a shot. Mm hmm Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If the if the entire internet system went down tomorrow, good grief! Uh, I have a friend that lives in Canada, and they had some sort of a glitch last month, and the internet was down for twenty four hours. She said it was absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew what to do because you know everybody gets up the first thing in the morning. What they do is grab their phone and look at the news Absolutely, or whatever. Right. Everything was down, and even the televisions went down because they didn't have any internet feed, and so it was. It was, you know, a real eye-opener for them that, my gosh, just as something as simple as that. And think, uh, all of your banking transactions, uh, getting gas out of a gas pump, that thing's electronic. Everything runs on computer systems. And so you're right. Uh, that's a whole other game when you talk about cyber warfare. We're dealing with the chip shortage now, which has got the automakers up in arms. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, this is just a good example of what we would need to do to prepare uh, the question is, how dedicated would the American people be? And, and considering we've got an administration now that, uh, for whatever reason, doesn't really seem to know what direction they want to go, and they uh, take us in all different directions, uh, could they be focused enough as well to uh, to pose a threat, to have something in place that would uh, be able to uh, uh, protect us, or at least to... Uh, be able to put it to, to the other side. Well, and there's another great point there, KB. I've got a good friend that works at uh, the Ford Motor Plant in Kansas City. And, you know, during World War II, they converted all the plants over to make bombers and tanks and whatever else we needed. Mm -hmm. Well, he was saying that they literally have thousands and thousands of Ford trucks sitting on lots right now 
waiting on parts that they need to get from China. Mm -hmm. And so they go ahead and build them, and they put them out there on a lot until the parts come in to where they can finish the dang thing out there on a lot. And they got a whole crew of people that just simply go out and get them up and running once the, once the, the parts come in. Well, if we're in a process right now where we converted one of those plants over to where we want to build fighters or bombers or tanks or whatever, you know, same thing's going to happen. You know, do that and do we have the capability? You know, that's another great point you brought up. How many people out there can weld? How many people out there can get, have the skills to do metalworking or carpentry work or whatever? Uh, bear in mind, the entire country had to step up and do this. This was Rosie the Riveter days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, first you got to get them to do it. And then second, you got to have the skills to do it. And the government stepped up and invested in the training for people. As they were building plants, they were training people how to operate the machinery. So when it opened, they walked right in and went to work. Then, again, it was a matter of the government providing the money and getting the hell out of the way. I don't see our government doing that right Not now. Not in this day and age. You certainly can't, uh, can't think that the government would say, well, uh, here you go. This is what you need to do the job. And uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, uh, the overall commitment. Sure. And, I mean, look at what we're having to deal with now in the form of labor shortages you see uh, help wanted signs everywhere yeah so there and again uh, lies a, a problem so. yeah well let's let's uh, look back here again let, let me jump you forward to to world war ii to give you the parallel again uh in world war ii nazi-led germany attacked poland in 39 after securing a non-aggression pact with russia they said look we don't want to worry about you guys so we won't fight you you don't fight us well that opened up the door again for germany to say our biggest threat is france france had a huge army and they took france out in a total of 46 days mm. okay just boom it happened now in 41 hitler broke his deal with stalin and went ahead and took out the russians he said you know stalin's standing there waving that piece of paper signed by hitler he said hey wait a minute you said you wouldn't attack me. Eh, I lied, right? One of those kind of deals. Now, in China's case, it is successfully allied with Russia. But in a largely naval contest in the Pacific, Russia really doesn't have the seagoing fleet that could really help in the conflict. Beyond Russia, it's hard to imagine China pulling off any kind of diplomatic coup by allying with other nations. I mean, if they do it, they're going to have to do it on their own. Now, Japan's decision to attack the Pacific fleet at Pearl Harbor and the Philippines and the oil-rich resources of the British and Dutch colonies in the French West Indies, that came in response to U.S. economic embargoes on Japan. What we did, folks, is we cut off all the metal, uh, scrap metal to Japan that they could use to melt down and build tanks, etc. We cut off their oil supplies, and then we moved our Pacific fleet within striking distance to Pearl Harbor. So bottom line is uh, we were putting sanctions on them, and eventually push came to shove, and they struck back. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> what happened again, Japanese war planners hoped to defeat U.S. Na naval forces. Uh, that was their biggest threat. And so again, using military strategy, they saw the greatest threat was our Pacific fleet, and they took it out, which, again, that's that's how war works, all right? Now, Japanese planners saw Americans as not having the stomach for the prospect of years of fighting against their what they considered themselves to be superior uh, spiritually uh, to Americans. And the planners also knew that time was not on their side, and here's a key point. 
Japan knew that very quickly we were going to finish off Europe and we're going to come after them with a vengeance with everything we've got. So it was important to them to get a foothold in as many places as they could for the resources and so on and so forth. And so they moved very quickly. Now, the thing is, China isn't in that situation. They don't have to move quick. I mean, they've been steadily making gains. And their desire to expand their empire, uh, basically, uh, by you know moving into French Indochina, Vietnam as we know it, it meant that they would never agree to U.S. demands to um, uh, you know do away with their ambitions. They have everything they need, is what I'm saying. They don't. They aren't in a big hurry. Okay. Now, as with Japan in '41, China must have secure maritime access to make this happen because they've got oil down in Malaysia and down in the in the the Indo-Pacific, and so it's important that they keep those sea lanes open. That's why they're building that island you hear so much about with all the defense stuff on it. Right. Yeah, that's that's what they're doing. Now, the sole difference in this historical comparison that appears to fail is the issue of time. Like I say, Japan was running out of time while China has time on its side. Measured in purchasing power, China's economy is increasingly larger than that of the U.S. And they are engaged in a massive naval buildup. They're using that money to build their military. And I was listening to one of the uh, talking heads the other night, a former general, saying, man, what we've done to our military over the past 20 years is we've pulled them down and and cut resources to the point that, you know, it would be a real fight if we went up against China, who is increasing their resources for their military. That, and you add to the, the real threat, is that China is quadrupling its strategic nuclear force and may build even more nuclear missiles. And if China so decides, it might simply wait until it has a substantial advantage before they attack. We've got just about a minute left. Uh, just real quick, uh, summarize what you think is uh, going to uh, uh, to happen here. I think, in summary, I think it's not going to be a shooting war, folks. But it's going to be an economic war, and we're going to have to tighten our belts because uh, you think inflation is bad now. You already got a taste of what happened with COVID. I think that's where it's going to go. There's going to be a lot of saber rattling, but I think it's going to be an economic war. We'll uh, show off our military. They'll show off their military. Right. But it uh, is going to come down to uh, the uh, old supply and demand. Absolutely. Professor Jim Paisley, history professor extraordinaire. He and I are headed over to uh, Lake TV. We're going to be talking about what uh, China owns that you probably don't know about. And we'll get him back in studio next Wednesday. Thank you, sir. Thanks, KB. Great Folks, being here. Uh, absolutely great to have you here. Uh, tomorrow on the program, Mindy Sales, our uh, community events director for Key Radio, in particular the Daily Show. Danny Ellison will check in from somewhere in these United States. And you and I will have some time to discuss the issues as well on KEYK 89.3 Osage Beach, Missouri. It's going to be a beautiful day.